0: Well, I've been excited to open this book of Revelation with you this term. Uh, Excited and a bit trepidatious, I suppose. Uh, This is a tough book for most of us, isn't it? And it's written in quite an unfamiliar style for most of us too. And on top of all that, we've got a pretty short term uh, to try to get a handle on all that uh, this term. But we've opened it now. Uh, And I think now that we have, uh, I think I'm going to be far more excited than trepidatious uh, to see how we go. Uh, but with a short term to cover it, uh, we're going to step right back, so to speak, in our approach to this book, try to catch the big picture uh, of why Jesus gave us this scripture. That's what I'd like to do this term with you all. Uh, see why Jesus gave us this scripture and and why he closes out the scriptures with this book too, uh, which means uh, we're going to be doing large Bible readings together this term to get through this book, uh, as we've just had now, and, and I'm going to try to speak no longer than usual as we think through what we read, so that we don't uh, blow out our service time and, and, and lose and eat into our fellowship time. So it's going to be telescopic at uh, this journey, rather than microscopic. We we just won't get to pursue every word, uh, but we should expect the words on these pages to speak to us all the same. Indeed, that's the very intent of Jesus. In giving us this book, that's what the word revelation even means, isn't it? Chapter 1 and verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. God has something to say to us in this book, something he wants to show us in this book, something he wants to make known to us. The word under revelation means exactly that. And the word under uh, revelation, by the way, is is apocalypse. Uh, You may have heard it. Some of your translations today might be calling it that at the top of the page. Uh, You might have heard that word apocalypse and you might have been unsettled by that word apocalypse. Uh, And probably so, because the way that that word is used in our culture today is uh, quite an unsettling thought. But the original meaning of that word is what it means right here in verse 1 to make something known. not to cover it in mystery therefore we should be careful to understand that as we get underway not to cover it in mystery but to take something that was hidden and make it known so our default mindset as we start this journey is it should be that the, that the message of this book is going to be discoverable discoverable not not cryptic or, or locked away from us so too we should be uh, aware that the that the making known in verse three is found here in this book, it's not some kind of partial truth, it's some kind of uh, you know fragment of of code or something that we can hold up and try to find sense out there somewhere. No, the opening words give this to us. This is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, which He gave to His servants which is us, by the way, plain old ordinary folks who follow and love Jesus. He gave us this scripture so that we may know at some level what he wants us to know. Uh, He's going to make it known about what's to come. We should be excited as we set out onto this journey. Uh, Let's uh, size up this apocalypse of Jesus then before we uh, do begin. As we've just read, uh, or had read for us, uh, thank you, uh, the Apostle John receives a vision of Jesus in chapter 1 there, uh, who gives John seven messages for seven churches uh, spread across chapters 2 and 3. What then follows in the rest of the book, if you haven't been here before, are various visions of things to come that Jesus calls John up into heaven to see. Uh, if we just sneak uh, into next week's scripture by just one verse have a look at chapter 4 and verse 1 after this i looked john says and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which i had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and i will show you what must take place after this and that's the book There are letters written to churches up to chapter 3 and then there are visions of the future uh, from chapter 4 all the way through chapter 22. And those visions that come that we'll see in later weeks are in picture language, uh, like the vision of Jesus in chapter 1, picture language that's going to run all the way through the book uh, as of next week, a bit like our dreams, that kind of uh, picture language. And so the details in there are very intriguing but we won't get time to study uh, all of those details, rather, as I say, we'll have to try to step back and catch the big basic picture, the, the, the big point that Jesus is wanting John to see. Uh, but in terms of making sense of, of anything in the book, uh, I want to first suggest one thing, that the visions that John is going to receive in chapters 4 through 22 are not somehow disconnected from or, or irrelevant to the letters to these seven churches That John receives in chapters 1 through 3 and vice versa I think we should probably also say Uh, both parts of the book belong and fit together Uh, this uh, uh, section on the letters and and the section that comes on the visions of the future this is all what Jesus wanted to reveal a second suggestion might also be helpful uh, because by instinct I think it is by instinct we're all probably going to wonder just naturally uh, all along the way uh, when probably be the question that pops into our minds. When will these things take place or when did these things take place? Uh, Soon is the answer from Jesus, chapter 1 and verse 1, soon. The time is near, he says again in verse 3. And so too if we check the other bookend of this book, if you flick in your Bibles back to chapter 22, uh, at the back end, and find your way down to chapter 22 and verse 10. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. And so we ought to fight our instinct to some extent, I think, and and not so much be wondering, when will these things be? But as we see, uh, if we drop down even further to chapter 22 and, and verse 17, we more ought to be saying all the way, come, Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. He who testifies to these things, verse 20, here's how it all ends, says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, is what we first of all ought to be saying. Come, Lord Jesus, let it be today. It's been near on 2,000 years, though, since Jesus said those words, since he gave this revelation to John for the church. And without doubt, uh, Jesus knew that that would be the case, that 2,000 years later we would be sitting here gathered today and reading the words on this page. Uh, But even so, Jesus sees things uh, as near and presumably he wants all of his church to live in that kind of mindset about these things, that we should be wanting him to come. And that he is coming is one thing that this revelation makes perfectly clear. Uh, We just saw it at the back end, but certainly, too, it runs pretty thick through this first part that we've just read today. He mentioned it three times in the first chapter, and and he mentions it three times in these letters, too. Uh, Have a look at chapter 1 and verse 7 back in our reading today. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. And in the letters, chapter 2 and verse 5, chapter 2 and 25, and chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus does it again. He says, he is coming. That much we can be sure of. That much is already made clear. Uh, What else can we learn here at the start as we begin our journey right here on page 1? Well... uh, a simple question probably as we start, uh, if we back all the way up to verse 1, who is this revelation from? We should probably ask a, a seemingly simple question, but then we look again at verse 1 and we could, we could say that this comes to us from God or from both God and Jesus. Uh, we're going to have to keep our eye on that, uh, that many of the things we will read about in this book are the things of God and the things of Jesus. Because uh, heads up, after verse 1 there, it only gets more tangly on that matter uh, after that. Indeed, from the outset, this revelation seems to be, uh, almost intentionally, seems to be blurring those two lenses together the things of God and the things of Jesus, such as uh, right after uh, verse 7 that we just looked at, where it says that Jesus is coming, chapter 1 and verse 7. Well, verse 8, the Lord God says that he is the one who is coming. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So too in that verse, Alpha and Omega, uh, well... That's the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet in which this revelation was written. But there too, Jesus calls himself the first and the last down in verse 17. When I saw him, Jesus that is, the son of man, John says, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last. So the book is already here in chapter 1 getting blurred on this. Is God the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, or, or is Jesus? Is it chapter 1 and verse 8 or is it chapter 1 and verse 17? I mean, that repeated language, just it, it can't just be an oversight, can it? Is Revelation trying to obscure something here after all? Or make something clear? Let's zoom in a bit uh, on this question in verse 4 as to who this scripture comes from because it does get a bit more developed uh, than that and what we saw in verse 1. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. There's a human vehicle and a human destination in all of this but here's who it's from. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. And the last half of that, Most of those two paragraphs, verse 5 all the way through verse 7, is obviously talking about Jesus. Uh, And we've thought uh, a moment ago about him who was and is and is to come in verse 4 at the start of that block there. Uh, But who are these seven spirits before the throne in verse 4b from whom this grace and peace also comes to us? There's a lot of sevens in Revelation by the way uh, if you haven't opened this book before. Seven churches and seven spirits already flagged in the opening verses uh, but there are seals and trumpets and bowls of plagues in sevens all still to come. Uh, The number seven in scripture represents completeness, uh, totality, uh, perfection. Uh, After uh, Genesis 1 and the days of creation and God stood back on day seven and said everything is very good Uh, and As for these seven spirits, well, we may not be able to know for sure, I suppose. Uh, But there may be an answer in in that most of what John sees in this book uh, expands upon the pictures that earlier prophets had earlier seen. Uh, Prophetic revelation works that way. Prophetic revelation gets clearer and more detailed as Scripture unfolds. Uh, You see it happen across the Bible, but you even see it here too. Uh, Because in chapter 4 of Revelation, if you'd like to turn the page, the the picture of that expands a little bit. Uh, John sees the seven spirits around the throne depicted in in the picture language as as seven torches or or seven lamps. We could translate that word. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God which in briefer detail the Old Testament prophet Zechariah had also seen. It's on page 794 of these Bibles, if you're keen. It's in Zechariah chapter 4, which is some 500 or so years before the Apostle John sees this here. The prophet Zechariah had seen a vision of a golden lampstand with with seven lamps on top of it, seven uh, burning torches, we could say. And And when he didn't know what that vision might mean, the angel explained it to him. In Zechariah 4 verse 6, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The seven lamps in in Zechariah chapter 4 represented the one spirit of God. And what John sees here in chapter 1 and chapter 4 of Revelation is is so similar to that vision that Zechariah saw that it's hard to doubt that it's that it's just a fuller or, or, or fleshed-out picture of what Zechariah had once seen. Uh, and so perhaps that's what's being conveyed here in the book of Revelation at the start of this book, that with seven, as it does in Scripture, signifying completeness, uh, what we've got here is a way of presenting the Spirit of God as perfectly complete perfectly capable therefore of of ministering to these seven churches he does have seven messages for those seven churches as we shall see so is that all this means that the one spirit who guides the churches has grace and peace verse 4 he has grace and peace for them all and I guess while we're on it, we should probably ask a question too around that, number seven. Perhaps the seven actual churches in the region of Asia at the day and time John receives all this, perhaps they represent the whole, the complete, the uh, church of Jesus. But park that thought for just a, a moment while we while we focus on these spirits in verse four. Or spirit, as it may well be, if it was as simple as that, then what we would have there in verses four to seven of Revelation chapter one as this book opens out, well what we would have in terms of well, who all this is from? What we would have would be a glorious way of capturing the grace and the peace that comes to us from the three person, one substance, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is there, is the question for you today, is there a threeness in verses four through seven? Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. And yet is there a oneness of those three in verse 8? I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty right from the get-go in this book we're going to have to wrestle with that we are being forced to engage with this God Jesus and the seven spirits or or, or spirit and the connection between them because it just continues through the book take the appearance of Jesus in the vision John sees in verses 13 to 15 the appearance of the son of man the son of man language of course comes from Daniel chapter 7 when he received visions Uh, and Verse 13 to 15 says this, In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. That description of of Jesus, the son of man, Well, that comes from Daniel chapter 7, but that part of Daniel chapter 7 was talking about the Ancient of Days. Before he saw the Son of Man, he saw the Ancient of Days and those were the words used of him. And the language was used of the God of Israel in Ezekiel 43. Suddenly in Revelation now, that language is used of Jesus. And then so too this this overlapping continues as the letters from the Son of Man uh, get going in chapters 2 and 3, this time a blurring of of two other lenses uh, over all of this, Uh, Jesus and the Spirit, because it is Jesus, verse 13, this Son of Man uh, who looks like the Ancient of Days, it is Jesus who who dictates these letters uh, to the churches through John. There's no question about that. Uh, especially when you read the first line of each letter such as uh, the words of him who and then it gives you something that links you back to the vision of Jesus in chapter 1 in every letter uh, tying these letters back to the vision of Jesus and yet what Jesus says in each letter is what the Spirit says to the churches notice that at the back end of each letter Jesus is the one speaking all of this to the churches, but to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2 and verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To those in Smyrna, verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Pergamum, verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thyatira, in verse 29, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The church in Sardis, as we break into chapter 3 and verse 6. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Philadelphia 3 and 13. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And Laodicea, verse 22, that is correct. Uh, You're already there. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And yet all of it, to all of them, was what Jesus had said. In every single letter, what Jesus has said is what the Spirit says to the churches. Yes, we're going to have to keep our eye on that. The book is going to keep tying together uh, Father, Son and Spirit. We will have to watch that and wrestle with that. But the emphasis, nevertheless, the emphasis as we read through, seems to fall mostly for our benefit, I think, upon Jesus. As if that is the part of all this that we need to have made known. Most of chapter 1 was spent on Jesus, wasn't it? So too we look through those letters chapters 2 and 3. It is Jesus who knows. Did you catch that word running through there? It is Jesus who knows everything in his church, all through those letters. Nine times he says it explicitly for only seven churches, that Jesus knows what is happening in his church. And implicitly, of course, I mean, that's, that's the basic truth that forms all of these letters so that we don't even need to count. What we need to have made known to us, though, is that, yes, Jesus knows. Uh, it is Jesus who will come to his church, he says uh, in a bunch of places there, chapter 2 and verse 5 and 16 and 25, chapter 3 and 3 and uh, 3 and verse 20. Well, it's Jesus who's going to come to his church. And whether it's to uh, help his uh, faithful servants who are going through tough times or, or whether it's to cast the disobedient unbelievers out of his church, it is Jesus we need to know who will come. And so too we might note, uh, as a third point running through there, it's Jesus who gives what his servants long to receive in all this. Uh, The right to the tree of life in chapter 2 and verse 7, the right to the tree of life in the paradise of God, well, Jesus will give us that. The crown of life, verse 10 in the next letter, Jesus will give us the hidden manna and the white stone, verse 17. Verse 17. Yeah, will get those from Jesus. The morning star given to his church in verse 28 will come to us from Jesus. Jesus will seemingly clothe us in white, chapter 3 and verse 5, and keep our names safe in the book of life. He will build us into God's temple, verse 12, right, write God's name and, and write the name of God's city upon us. He will grant us to sit with him, chapter 3 and verse 21, he will grant us to sit with him on his throne, which if that isn't enough, is somehow at the same time the throne of God. In all this heavenly imagery though, our eyes should be falling upon Jesus. It is he who knows who comes, who gives to his church. All of which, to cut a long story short, I suppose, and and spoiler alert for the whole series in a way, I suppose, but this book uh, of Revelation is about Jesus. This book of Revelation is about Jesus and his church. Uh, Let's be sure not to miss that breathtaking forest on account of some weird and wonderful trees that we're going to see in here on our way through. This book is the revelation of Jesus, chapter 1 and verse 1, for his church. Uh, And such that what his church needs and and needs to know, uh, whatever this book might say is headed uh, our way, what the church of Jesus needs to know and to hold on to above everything else, is Jesus. It's his name, did you notice, that we must hold fast to and and suffer for even as we we read through those letters. It's his name. Uh, It's his word that we must keep and obey. It's him who we must not deny in this world. Uh, It's him who we must come to, to buy true gold and to be clothed in true white. And yet as he does all that, he obviously wants us to be clear as to why. Why we must follow him and pin everything on him. Well, we must do so, friends, because of who he is all the way through these chapters. You see, if we were to go to the other bookend of the whole of Scripture, way back to Genesis chapter 3, well, it was the Lord God who closed our access to the tree of life in paradise Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, and Jesus will be the one who restores that access for his people. James chapter 1 verse 12 says that it is God who has promised the crown of life. Revelation 2.10, it's Jesus making that promise. Deuteronomy chapter 8, it was God who gave his people manna from heaven to eat. Of course it was God, but Revelation 2 and verse 17, it it is Jesus' manner to give. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10, it is the Lord God who searches hearts and minds and gives to each according to his works. Revelation 2.23. It's Jesus who will do that. Exodus 32 and 32 and Moses is kind of uh, wrestling with the Lord and wondering whether the Lord God will, um, you know, block people's names out of his book and... Revelation 3 and verse 5, Jesus claims that sovereignty over our eternal life. Uh, Isaiah 56 and verse 3 and 5, uh, the Lord will build his people into his house and, and give them their names. The Lord will do that. But Revelation 3 and verse 12, and now we see that Jesus is going to fulfil fulfill that. It's Proverbs three twelve. This one you might know from our small groups a couple of terms ago, Proverbs 3:12, "Those whom the Lord loves." Yahweh, just so we're clear about who we're talking about on all these verses unrattling through, those whom Yahweh loves, He reproves." Revelation chapter three and verse 19. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If we get clear in our hearts and in our minds who Jesus is, you see, we can then be clear in our hearts and our minds about us and and about what we must do to be on the right side of God and to come on the right side of all these things we're going to be reading through. Of course we will be safe with Jesus. And so, yes, we must hold fast to him. Uh, which means we can then be equally clear as to who this revelation is given to uh, as well, as a bonus question, I suppose, and whether that includes us. If we have been given unto Jesus, then all those promises he makes in those letters are ours. If we are faithful and obedient and trusting and enduring to, to, to his word and for his name, then yes, my friends, this revelation is written for you and I. These promises are for those, uh, back in chapter 1 and verse 5, these promises are for those whom Jesus loved and freed from their sins by his blood and made to be a kingdom, priests to his God. If we are of those, then we will also have ears to hear what Jesus and the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, And churches, plural, uh, we might notice at the bottom of every single one of those letters. Jesus wants all the churches to hear all the words that he and the Spirit have said. But by way of balance, therefore, of course, the book also will speak to those who haven't come to Jesus yet. And so too it will also speak to those who won't. Uh, whatever side of that distinction you fall out on at this moment in time uh, are you at least clear on Jesus as we set out on this journey from these opening chapters not just that he is caught up with god and the spirit as one but that but that he is the one building his church that he hasn't sort of you know put his feet up and clocked off as it were but but he is watching over his servants and over all of his servants That he knows everything that is happening in his church. That he knows those who are struggling to hold on to their faith in a difficult world. That he knows those who are going through some awful trial. That he knows those who are proving faithful and obedient to his word. That he knows where things like sexual immorality are in his church. That he knows those who probably think to themselves that they're, that they're doing a good job of secretly holding on to some other God of our culture as well, like Lady Lucky in our day maybe, or, or, or Mother Nature, let's say, that he knows those things, and that he knows those who are gathered but not truly of his church, given to him and, and purchased by his blood, that he knows even what people are teaching in his church and what each of his servants is listening to. Are you clear on where you stand with this Jesus as we set out into this book Uh, and how intimately he knows you? Perhaps his apocalypse, his, his revelation, might help make things known to you about you. If you are of those whom Jesus has freed by his blood, then that was to bind you into this kingdom He speaks of here this priesthood to his God and you are going to come out on the right side of everything coming up in our journey through this book and on the right side too, therefore, of everything that's going to come up in between you and you walking into this paradise Jesus speaks of to be with your God. If you are with Jesus, you are safe, my friend. Come whatever may. Let this revelation of Jesus Christ sink into your hearts and minds then and set your hearts and minds clear on this truth. And if you haven't come into all of this yet, then, then I guess know this much as we begin our term. Uh, all that you need as we open up this book, all that you need is given you right here. What these letters flag right here as we start our journey, that the visions John is going to receive should only then make even more clear that there's all kinds of falsehood all around you, everywhere you look. There is worldly corruption everywhere. There are dark forces. Cosmic evil is at play. But the answer to all of that is found in Jesus Uh, just as Jesus dictates uh, everything in these letters Jesus is sovereign over all those other things at play let's be sure today to hear that much and, and take that much on in our hearts and in our minds today Jesus is over it all our Jesus is over it all So let's understand that much and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we always thank you for your word and the privilege it is to open it up and a a difficult book we've opened up this term. Uh, We thank you, though, for the blessing it is for us to read this today and to hear these words. We thank you for this word, this apocalypse or, or revelation of Jesus Christ which you gave to him to give to John to give to the church Thank you for this book so that we may know of the things that are to come. Uh, Be with us, we pray, and give us wisdom and and clarity and a good measure of patience as we uh, set out to read through this word. Uh, Thank you, though, for what we see here already today, that Jesus is the one who will give us uh, all those glorious things that you have always promised in your word and that, that we therefore are safe with our hopes anchored in him. Grant us faith, then, we do pray, and and grant us resilience in our faith, come what may. Uh, We do know, Father, that we are surrounded by all kinds of things. Uh, Help us to understand that we are safe in Jesus. Help us to be obedient to him. Uh, Help us to be faithful to him. Help us to honour his name in everything that we do. And in his name we therefore pray. Amen.